the Cincinnati Bengals have beat the New Orleans Saints and they moved to three and three. But I want to talk coverages and talk about the game. So let's talk about it. I went through with your boy J.E. on the Cincinnati podcast, and I uh, hope you all are having a phenomenal Monday. It was a beautiful weekend. The Bengals got the dub, moving to three and three, and uh, technically tied for first place. Bengals got the lead right now. Well, the Ravens have the lead right now just because they have the win over us. But uh, ultimately, everything the Bengals want to accomplish is right there in front of them. So uh, very excited about that. Kind of wanted to look at the box score and just uh, talk about how it went, right? Because when you look at the game and um, you look at the box score and just kind of looking back on how it went, the game started off rough for the Cincinnati Bengals, right? Rough in the sense that you go out there, you get the ball first, uh, you get a – I don't know if it was a three and out, but you get stopped by the defense, um, and then you get a stop. And then they punt the ball back to you, and then your punt returner fumbles the ball at Trent Taylor, which Trent typically is not a guy who will turn the ball over or fumble or punt return, which is why I think he's back there. Certainly not because he is a Devin Hester of the bunch, but because he's reliable, he can fill the punts. And uh, typically when you're talking about a guy like Trent Taylor, that's not something that happens. But this game in particular, man, for the Bengals, it was exciting seeing Joe Burrow. Uh, and the Bengals go into New Orleans, get a dub. Uh, all the history there when Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow led LSU Tigers to the national championship. Man. And it really felt like this game, not a primetime game, but it had a lot of eyes on it. And the Bengals ended up scoring 30 points for the first time this season. And uh, Joe Shiesty, man, he absolutely balled out. 29 for 37. Uh, 28 for 37, 300 yards passing, uh, average eight yards, threw for three touchdowns, no interceptions, which was important. He was sacked three times, um, posted a QBR of 78.5, and uh, he also had a rushing touchdown, which he took off. And uh, I think he I think he clocked in at about 18.25 or some miles per hour. So I think he had the second or third fastest time on the day. So it was good to see Joe Burrow get out of the pocket. Uh, Joe Mixon, man, didn't have many carries, uh, eight carries, but he did average five and five, uh, 5.5 or 5.6 yards per carry. And um, even though he didn't have a lot of volume there, uh, it was absolutely, absolutely effective, right? It, it didn't feel like, it didn't feel like Joe, Joe Mixon only rushed the ball for uh, for eight times. Actually, just looking at this, I thought he had at least 12 to 15 carries. But uh, I guess that's just kind of the way the game went, man. They went more to the shotgun, um, and they ran out of shotgun, which they were having some success there. And also as well, too, they mixed in the RPO, which turns out to be really effective for this team and getting them back on track. I'm not a huge fan of the RPO and uh, – limiting a quarterback's reads to a run or one option in the pass. But I also understand that when you talk about getting an offense in rhythm, an offense that has struggled to attack defenses, 
Um, the RPO may help set up a rhythm, and that's what it seemed like it did for this team. Jamar Chase absolutely exploded um, after struggling for a couple of weeks. He had seven catches for 132 yards, two touchdowns. Really should have had three touchdowns, honestly. Um, T-Boy showed up big in a big way, six catches for 66 yards. I think he had six targets, caught all six. Um, T. Higgins with six catches for 47 yards. And um, just all in all, man, the team played well. Uh, I think there was a great uh, balance of people seeing targets. I really, really, really was impressed with how the Bengals got Jamar Chase the ball. And uh, it, it seemed like Joe makes sense. It seemed like Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow were really clicking and that that magic that we're used to seeing from this team and seeing from Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase was really there, man. So uh, it's very exciting, very good to see that come back for this team. And quite frankly, they got the New Orleans Saints coming up. I think it's going to be <laughs> – not the New Orleans Saints. I'm still thinking about this victory. They got the Atlanta Falcons coming up. And uh, no doubt about it, it's going to be a tough matchup. It's going to be a tough matchup, right? But I think it's a matchup they can win. And I think it's a matchup that I feel like, you know, if you're the Bengals going into this game, you're going to be at home, right? You're going to be at home trying to set this up, so that's why I'm not looking. But you're going to be at home. This is a game I feel like as Bengals, as Bengals fans, right, you got to win this game. You got to win this game. You got to go ahead and say, hey, look, we're at home. This is a formidable opponent, but this is a game we should win to me. So um, I'm, I'm very, you know, I'm very excited about this game coming up, an opportunity for the Bengals to stack some wins when we look at this upcoming schedule in no particular order because I may have it mixed up, but I think we got the Falcons. Panthers, Browns, bi-week Steelers. So, honestly, when you look at these next four games, man, the Bengals could go on a 4-0 run. Uh, I don't think they've stacked four games together since the Zach Taylor era, uh, but no better time than the present after a disappointing start to the season for the Cincinnati Bengals, and I think we could be seeing that. So, I wanted to take some time today to look at a couple of coverages. I know that we've been seeing – um, or the Bengals, per se, right? They've been seeing um, a lot of too high shell. Now, the thing about the too high shell is that it could mean a myriad of different things, right? It can mean a number of different things when you're talking about coverages. But generally, when you're talking about coverages, there's three basic cover structure, structures, right? No deep safeties, which sometimes signifies cover zero, Single safety in the middle, middle closed, sometimes is what they call it, could be cover one or cover three. That's initially when you're looking at it. Or the two high safety that you see a lot of people talking about this, this year, which really could be cover two, could be cover four, could be cover five, could be cover six. Uh, it could be a number of different things. But today I want to focus specifically on the cover two shell Um the, the two high safety shell, but taking a look at cover two and what that means. So I got one clip of cover two from the Bengals uh, up, up against the Ravens. I, I could find some more clips, but I didn't want to spend all day doing this. Could probably break down film forever. But before we go into talking about 
what cover two is and looking at that clip for the Cincinnati Bengals. Just wanted to show you a quick diagram on what we're looking at when we're talking about the actual cover two and what that means, right? So um, I got a PowerPoint pulled up here. I don't know what it'll look like there when you look at the actual picture. Let me see if I can pull it up. So when you're talking about the actual cover two and what that means specifically, right, this will, this will help for sure. So this is the cover two breakdown. Right, when you look at a two high shell, two high shell essentially means two safeties at the basically in the defensive formation, two high. Right, you got two high safeties. That's what that means. Probably about 15 to 20 yards. I'd probably say 20 yards, 20 to maybe 15, 17 to 20 yards in the NFL, just based off the speed. Uh, sometimes a little bit further back, just depending on who the receiver may be. But as you can see here on this diagram, we're looking at the cover two shell. You got your corners, which are typically playing the flat. Um, the flats here maybe typically trying to get a, a jam technique. Uh, I haven't seen the Bengals do so much cover two working on the jam technique, but I have seen them um, align the corners, flat foot, eyes inside, looking at the, at the quarterback, reading a three-step drop. Uh, but cover two has changed a lot. And uh, it's a it's a good the good thing about cover two is you can run it a myriad of different ways now. Defensive coordinator you get very creative, uh, but when you talk about the corners and cloud technique is what they call it. The cloud technique over here, they're the forced defender. Never mind this formation on offense here. When you say forced defender, yes, they've got pass responsibility in a zone defense concept which is cover two or cover three, any anytime you're talking about, you know, any of those um, those coverages where you got the zone drops. Overall, it's a zone defense, right? And when you're talking about these cloud corners, um, cover two corners, they have force. And what that means is, yes, you got to protect the flat box, typically, you know, looking for anything, coming across, maybe meshes or drags, maybe a running back leaving out the backfield. But if they throw a toss sweep to your side, you're the run defender first. Uh, so you got to respect the run. Um, <clears throat> and you got your linebackers here, which your right linebacker, or, you know, or Sam, whatever you want to call it, got hooked, hooked the curl. The middle linebacker, middle hole, Sometimes you like to call it the Tampa technique when they're getting really deep in that drop and really probably dropping to about 15, uh, maybe 20 yards there. And then you got your other, you know, outside linebacker, typically your will uh, towards the weeks of the formation doing another hook to curl drop here. Um, so primarily cover two, you'll see that on obvious pass downs, obvious pass situations. The Bengals have been seeing it more just because they have not been effective at running the ball. Uh, the last two games against the Ravens and the New Orleans Saints, they have had success with um, with running the ball. So they've been kind of working teams out of the cover two shell, utilizing the RPO, and also as well, too, being able to run the football. But nonetheless, they'll have to continue to do that to have success just because teams are not going to – allow them to have the big play. But if they can minimize the big play, that's what they'll do. And if you're the Cincinnati Bengals, you got to make sure that you continue to run the ball, continue to run the RPO, because it's an effective coverage. Uh, it's an effective coverage, and it's worked a lot to stifle the Bengals' offense. But 
nonetheless, right? And you look at it and we talk about, is it unbeatable? The simple answer is no. There's a lot of ways to beat cover two. In fact, I don't think it's the best pass defense that someone could run, but it is effective when you got great pass rushers and also as well, too, um, when you have great pass rushers and great safeties. So the cover two, again, something they've been seeing a lot of, something they're going to continue to see a lot of, but as they get better at running the football and running these RPOs, you'll see a lot less. And I think that's the good thing about what the Cincinnati Bengals did this previous week against the Saints, what they kind of found against the Ravens when you watched that game, even though they didn't get the win. Um, I, I think it's something that shows there's promise for this team getting more explosive plays down the stretch and being able to get back to that, you know, fun Cincinnati Bengals team that you've watched in the past. So um, I do have a play here from the Ravens game, and I don't know if it's set up right now on the queue. But what I'll say is this next snap right here is cover two. It's Tampa two actually from the Bengals. And alignment pre-snap sometimes may be a little, a little different depending on maybe what you're coached. But when you're looking at the alignment here, you can tell Cheetah Bay Wouzier and Eli Apple are both looking inside of the quarterback, right? They're both looking inside. Their feet are kind of, you know, they're turned a little bit, but really they don't look like they're ready to backpedal or get out of there. They're trying to read the quarterback to see, hey, look, um, the ball may come out quick, reading the three-step. And also as well, too, in the NFL, smart players know right now you're showing you're showing them Lamar Jackson, a blitz. You're showing Lamar Jackson right now a double mug, whatever you want to call it, uh, front, a blitz look here. And Lamar Jackson's probably thinking, hey, I got to go hot, which means I have to go to my hot read. I have to get the ball out quick. And uh, probably a quick check down is what Lamar is thinking right here at this point. Um, what, the, what the Bengals end up doing here is they actually end up not – it's not really a blitz. It's a unique pressure is what I would say. Uh, still a four-man rush. <laughs> they end up – and I love this about Lou Anarumo because they end up, right, they, it looks like this is a blitz all the way. Like, oh, my gosh, this is a blitz. They're sending one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, maybe five people. You don't know if one of these guys are coming, but you're thinking this guy, you're saying, hey, this guy is 100% coming right here. Uh, so you're saying, you're thinking five-man pressure at the very least, maybe six, um, depending on what happens with these linebackers here. But when you look at this, if you're Lamar Jackson, you know, hey, look, I'm probably not getting a six- or seven-man pressure because these guys right here, I got three on two, right? That's, what, that's kind of what he's thinking, not to get too distracted. I'll talk about the coverage, but I'm just so I'm just telling you the thought process of probably what Lamar is thinking. Um, so you're thinking, hey, look, this look right here from the Bengals, corners, their feet are at heels are at maybe seven yards, it looks like, maybe roughly seven, seven to eight. NFL depth's a little bit different in college, they're about five to six. Um, and then you see the safeties back here, two high safety. Now Jesse's walked out a little bit, uh, a little bit down further than Von Bell, but what Jesse's doing as well too, he's bluffing and maybe trying to protect 
against this hot route right here, maybe trying to make uh, Lamar Jackson think, hey, look, it's not here like you think it's here. Uh, but you're going to see that Jesse's going to get out of there as well, too, and get to a too high shell. Uh, so we'll run this here. Again, Mike Hilton's obviously showing blitz. Uh, he almost jumps off sides and gets the encroachment or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and then, boom, they snap the ball. Jesse does kind of get out of there. It's still – Jesse still kind of plays a little bit different, but I think Jesse's a veteran, so I think, you know, no doubt about it. He's probably got better, you know, a little bit more range than the normal safety uh, that you would probably put out there that doesn't have the experience he does. But um, all in all, Jesse's getting some depth, man. He's dropping back here. He's playing cover two. Maybe he's taking the ball. May come out a little bit quicker over here because of the look, which is why he may be a little bit more shallow. But Von Bell is out of there, man. He's out of there. <laughs> Von Bell is <laughs> – he is out of there, man. He's at the 30, right? I think he started around, uh, I don't know, the 17 or maybe the 18 or 19. He's at the 30 right now. So he got out of there thinking about a deep shot. And you look at what the Bengals did. They did bring, I think they brought Mike Hilton, but he ended up backing out of there. And there was a four-man pressure, but the defensive end from this side came out and played. He really was the hook curl defender. Um, this guy, Logan Wilson, is the Tampa 2, the middle hook defender. And then I, I believe this is Akeem Davis Gaither at the hook curl as well, too. And then you got Akeem Bayouzier here in the flat. So when you look at this, ultimately, uh, yeah, the defense gets gashed. Don't get me wrong. And part of the reason why the defense gets gashed, and I'm not trying to, you know, rewind like I'm going in the film session, but. The part of the reason that this cover two gets gashed is because you're asking a defensive lineman to drop back and play in coverage. Now, Trey almost picked this ball off, and he does have that ability to play in coverage. But I'm just telling you why it didn't work and why, you know, Mark Andrews did make a play right here. Uh, but nonetheless, this is the cover two. This is a too high shell, a little bit modified too high shell, just because you're seeing the, the blitz, the zone – you're seeing the zone dog behind it, which zone blitz, the dog just means a blitz there. Uh, it's a zone dog look. But they end up just rushing rushing forward and drop down and playing coverage. And um, Trace is a little bit late. So the Bengals have played them too high. Uh, they've primarily seen a lot of too high shell. A lot of too high shell is what the Bengals have been seeing from a lot of different teams, and that's how people are playing them. But – but I will say, the future is looking up, and the future is looking bright. It looks like this team may be really finding their identity and finding out the answers to how to be covered, too. So I hope you enjoyed the quick video. Um, I thought it was awesome to kind of take a look at cover two specifically. We're looking at the two ICL, but specifically talking about cover two in this episode. I appreciate you all checking out the Winston Pod, the 513 and the Winston Podcast. Hope you have a phenomenal week, and I'm looking forward to seeing you all next week. Go Bengals. Let's get this win against the Falcons, and let's move to 4-3. Who the hell?